This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Final score at Celtic Park, Celtic 4, Habs 1, and much more like it from Celtic from the off tonight. No half-time rants, as far as I know, Brido, uh, from Brendan Rodgers. This is Tino with the Final Whistle Show, joined here by Brido. Brido, what was your, your thoughts on that one? Yeah, it was just, it was actually really enjoyable to, to watch, uh, mate. I think um, that's the Celtic at Celtic Park um, we've been used to seeing for a considerable period. Um, and yeah, it it helps us um, put to put to bed how poor a performance the first half was on on Sunday. So uh, all in all, a really good job done, and um, some good kind of talking points for us to to pour over based on individual and collective performances. So yeah, mm-hmm. really good. Before we get into all and and much more detail, do you think maybe too soon to tell, mind you, but do you think that first half at St Johnson? could end up being a very important first half in the bigger picture because it's just allowed Brendan Rodgers to address some issues within the, the squad and, and deal with any potential complacency. A really important time in the season. Do you think that that halftime rant could be pivotal moving forward? Yeah, I think it could be. I think I think with the, the gap we've got at the top, it might not be as pivotal as people think. But yeah, you're, you're, there's definitely a point for just, like, we're just focusing on just us. Um and performance levels and uh, individually and collectively, like I said earlier, I think I think it probably does have a bearing on that. We've seen over reasonably recent history with Ange, with Rogers' first tenure, uh, with Lenny. You know, I, I, Charlie McGrew was actually on the radio tonight and he was talking about a, a half-time rant by Lenny at uh, the Kamala game when we were 3-0 down. Yeah. And that was a kind of moment for that group of players and squad of players as well. So... Um, Certain things happen in sport, and um, listen, I've had bigger situations than the one nil down away to St Johnson before. But I think the timing of everything, you know, the Champions League disappointment, the performance levels haven't been great. Then that epitomised by such a poor performance in that first forty-five. 
that it may, it's making us all kind of stand and take attention to to the manager coming out and actively saying, yeah, I wasn't happy. Yeah. Um, let's take a look at the, the lineup first of all. A couple of changes that that a lot of us maybe anticipated. James actually called the team spot on uh, in the pre-match that he might have picked up on. So so he's delighted with himself. So uh, you can send him <laughs> a message to congratulate him when you get a chance. Uh, the changes that that were called upon, it was Tomoki Awata, as a lot of people had been clamouring for. So he stepped in in the number six, allowing Callum McGregor to go a bit further forward with Matt O'Reilly. Uh, and along the front line, you had Louis Palmer, as expected, but less so O, who got the nod over Kyogo, and Mikey Johnson, as expected, uh, also commanded a place after his cameo at St. Johnson. What was your thoughts, Bridal, when you seen the lineup? Pretty pleased with him? Yeah, I think I was. I think I was. There's only the only surprise was he, that we actually decided to drop Kyogo. That was the rest of rest of no dropping here. I mean, if, if I'm if I'm playing in that squad of players, I'm I'm telling the manager you've dropped me, and I'll probably kick my shin pads and not pay my subs that week. But um, yeah, I I, I I was because I think it needed refreshing. I think it needed um, people to be seen to get an opportunity. Um, I heard James in the in a pre-game pod, um, podcast, and he was saying, you know, if Mikey Johnson doesn't get a start, he'd be well just packing up and leaving because he, you know, after he's he's uh, forty-five at the weekend. So it's good to see players who, and you know what, it's good to see the manager true to his word with this, the skills kind of situation. Mikey Johnson coming back and he's getting players that want to play and also kind of probably want to play for him and reward him for. Um. Aye, I think that it was. It was. We didn't know it was going to happen, but it was a. It, it made that more exciting watch than maybe what we've seen the last few weeks. Yeah, definitely. Do you know? I just thought from the off. You and I spoke just very briefly there before coming on air, and the way Hibs approached that, you know, quite open, quite expansive football, it does play into Celtic's hands. There's, there's no getting away from that. But I think you could have predicted that based on what we've seen from Nick Montgomery's teams in in recent weeks. So it made for an interesting spectacle tonight. You, you knew it was going to be a, a more open game, a more enjoyable game than whoever you want to mention that might come and park the bus at Celtic Park. And I just thought from an early stage, you know, obviously we get the goal early and we'll get to that in a second, but just in general, in terms of how Celtic took the game to Hibs, it just looked like it, it was going to be a, a pretty enjoyable night. Yeah, I think um, there was space for players to play in. Don't get me wrong, a lot of the space they generated and created themselves by having a a really energetic, higher press, which seemed to cause them a lot of problems. They looked a bit nervous at the back, actually, Hibs, but that was a lot due to what we were doing. Um, and I thought that McGregor's runs in particular and behind um, were more than what Turnbull and O'Reilly were doing in the games prior to that, more than what Home and, and Bernardo were doing in other games. Granted, some harder opposition, but... Uh, those runs in behind creating space for other players, uh, all occupying centre-halves at every turn. Um, you know, he gets close, he does occupy people and it creates space for midfielders. So it's no surprise that some of the, the types of goals that we've seen um, kind of came from, you know, a certain midfielder, for example. You know, O'Reilly's goal epitomises that type of movement. Uh, so, yeah, no, it, it, the freshening up definitely worked for me, yeah, 100%. I wonder if, to an extent, and I'm not knocking anything that's gone prior this season, but Celtic had maybe become a wee bit predictable. You know, domestically, you know what Callum McGregor's going to do. He's going to sit in the number six and generally just recycle possession without being too, you know, penetrative, you know, being quite safe. 
he'll go up top making his runs, but not able to occupy centre-halves in the way that O could, for example. So the two moves that we've mentioned there, uh, Tomoki coming into the midfield, it just unleashed Callum McGregor, didn't it? It just gave him a freedom. And O playing up top just gave Hibs big centre-halves. Who was it? Rocky Bashiri and, and Will Fish, two big guys. Yeah. And O was a, a real handful for them. And I just think it made a difference. And actually, I think even just from a fan's point of view, you, you used the word refreshing, Bride, or, or, or a refresh. And it was that. It was just something a wee bit different, something a wee bit... Uh, less predictable than what we've seen in the past. And ultimately, you know, Celtic came good in the end for all of that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like everything, Paul. It's everything in life, isn't it? <laughs> Something's growing stale. It's like, there's no there's enjoyment coming from it. Fans as well as the players playing in it. Um, it can become far too predictable, and I think we probably have been. Um, if, if I was a coach against Celtic, I'd be saying the first thing I'd be doing is picking a player to sit on Callum McGregor because everything he was the pulse of the team. Um, occasionally other players stepped up, that was fine. Uh, but putting a lot in there uh, certainly then allows McGregor to use his kind of football brain in a, a more advanced position. And ultimately that's what he done pretty much all night. Um, and he set the tone from a higher position in the park. And what that done was that that meant other players went with him, impressed with him. Uh, and we picked up some scraps. We probably could have had a few more goals than we did and make more from a few opportunities. But, um, you know, we had long shots. We had tight passes, wee short passes, one to the edge of the box, crosses into the box with, with a variety of different attacks. It wasn't the same stuff we've seen side, 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 you know, force it, lose it, and kind of huff and puff. It wasn't that tonight. It was, it was very much more assured and a... Uh, energetic and I would say even more confident than it's been the last few weeks. You mentioned setting the tone uh, and that, that rings true because what we have seen sometimes at Celtic Park is this pedestrian, very patient build-up. You know, James calls it horseshoe football. Up the left, it's not working. Let's go down, back through the midfield, up the right. Is that not working? Back round and so on and so forth. Wasn't like that tonight. Really crisp passing. Um, I, I mentioned at half-time, I tweeted at half-time, Cameron Carter-Vickers is so important to this Celtic team. He's, first and foremost, a really reliable, effective defender and actually sharper than you think. You know, steals in and gets the ball when it looks like the defender's favourite, all that kind of stuff. He's no slouch at all. Um, but he's also very composed at starting the attacks. You know, defenders are the first people that kind of start the ball rolling for Celtic when we're looking to launch a new attack. And he just links it so well. It's not just these square passes back and forth between him and Scales. He'll pop it into Iwata, who was looking for it every time, by the way. He'll pop it out wide sometimes to Johnson, as in Mikey Johnson, sometimes to Palmer. You know, he's not just going one level up, he's he's breaking the lines. And I just think he's so effective. And I'm hoping it's just a, a bit of a breather for him at half-time. He obviously went off uh, at the break for Nat Phillips. And we'll get to Nat Phillips in a wee bit. But I just think he's so important to this Celtic side. He played a huge part, Bride, on the first goal. Um, <laughs> he'll get the assist for it. I'm sure he'd far rather get the goal, but it's a it's a rare Celtic goal from a corner, actually. Carla Vickers goes and attacks it like he should, uh, and O gets a fortunate touch, and you're 1-0, and you're cruising. Yeah, the early goals in these games, I think, we all, we've seen it a thousand times, and it's the old cliche, get the early goal, and it sets us up, it gives us the confidence to play, the expansive football we want to play. Uh, 100% right in that kind of horseshoe take football. It's a, it's a good analogy because that's exactly what it is. Um, you're absolutely spot on McCarter Vickers and how he plays as well. Breaking the lines with the passes or breaking the lines yourself by 
by carrying the ball forward, whatever it takes to break the lines of the defender, their first defence, i.e. their strikers, is so, so important when we're playing against teams that, um, I'm not saying Hibs sat in, but they're not going to be as expansive as we are. In order to get that and find the space further up, the passes have to be crisp and they have to be direct and they have to be done really early, i.e. one, two touches. Other defenders, a good example would be Phillips, extra touch, extra touch, extra touch, and it slows the whole game down. It then stops Awata or McGregor, whoever's in that kind of kind of pivot position, if you like. Um, it stops them getting the space to, to make their passes forward. So I 100% agree, I think. It's probably understated how important playing those passes early. Even if he gets the ball back, he's still dragging and moving moving midfielders and strikers around. Um, so, yeah, uh, when he's not playing, he's a big miss. There's no question. So I'm with you. I hope that there's maybe just a wee niggle there and they might think the game is kind of done. Let's take him off and, and not risk any other. And just because we've got some, some big games coming up. Yeah, do you know what? If you're actually unsure of, of how effective he is for the Celtic side, without being... Harsh on him, I don't want to be too critical, but you look at Nat Phillips, as you say, and the way the game changed when he came on. Um, listen, Celtic were very comfortable. I don't think there was ever any danger of his not taking all three points on the night. But as you say, when it got to Phillips, he wasn't quite as brave with the pass. He's taken three and four touches when Carter Vickers takes sometimes one, you know, two at a push. And I think that just, that taught, in the first half, everybody was doing everything sharp. Now, I love Mikey Johnson, you know I do. I don't think he had a great game. But I do think he played his part in keeping the game ticking along. He wasn't, you know, he didn't get his assist on the day. He didn't get the goal that he's been crying out for. But what he did do was link up very well with Alistair Johnson, sometimes uh, Matt O'Reilly and, and some other midfielders, just to keep it alive, keep the ball moving, keep the ball flowing. Because the moment you take that extra touch and slow the game down, that just kills the momentum and, and it takes away how effective you can be. So I just thought it was really pleasing from, from start to finish. Everyone, certainly in that first half, was was really, really sharp. But we get the second goal around about half an hour later, 36 minutes, I think it was, and it's Louis Palma. He's a guy who's often uh, his first port of call is to come inside on his right foot and either you know whip an in-swinging ball in or, or get a shot on goal. But he took the option to go down the outside, I think. Is it Miller, the fullback there? Quite a physical guy, quite an imposing guy. But Palma had a good duel with him during the first half. Took him to the byline, clips it across, and O'Reilly's making an art of this arriving into the box, at, you know, perfect timing wise. And it's just a really classic goal. Good header from O'Reilly and just a really well worked move. Yeah. And I mean, I think I've said this about, I don't know how many podcasts I've done now, but just about nearly every one of them about wingers getting to the byline. And if some players have got it through natural raw pace, some people have got a bit of trickery to get to the byline or beat their man. But that's how, that's how we played under Ange pretty much every game. People who got to the byline, early crosses in, and the striker had the yard or half yard on the defenders. Um, what we've seen, I think, under Rodgers is that in those wide positions, we've not had the same quality, and, and they've not done that. You see tonight, any midfielders that have played, you make that run and it doesn't come in early, you're gone, you're, you're then out the whole game because you're now went beyond the defender and you've got... By that time, the ball's probably back where it's going or another attack starts somewhere else. And it's even more annoying. You hear top strikers like Shearer and Lineker and all that talk about early crosses into the box. I thought Mikey Johnson was a bit guilty of that part, actually. That's what I would say, checking back all the time. But when you get to the byline and just do the business. So, But you're right. It was, I thought it was a really, 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 really good goal. I thought we worked it well to get to the positions that Rogers wants us to get to, i.e. a winger one-on-one -on -one with a defender. 
and uh, he commits a defender, but he's still got the he's got the quality to f- pick out a player, um, and I really struggled to finish it. You know, he's put himself in that position, and like I mentioned at the start, the midfield runners of uh, McGregor and O'Reilly making those runs beyond the striker or into the space that perhaps always played his part in creating, it makes it far easier to get goals and get threats on the opposition goal. So, yeah, really, really great goal. Actually, I thought it was um, one one that we kind of, that's what we paid to watch. That's what we're wanting to watch. Yeah, and you've seen, as you mentioned, you see McGregor starting to get a couple of shots away. O'Reilly, he's playing with a real freedom, isn't he? He wasn't, I think he went off the boil slightly by his own high standards this season over the last few weeks. But he seems to have picked it back up again. He had some big moments, obviously, against St. Johnson, particularly the, the right foot goal. But he, he enjoyed himself there tonight, didn't he? He was picking balls out of the sky, clipping passes with confidence, linking up with the wide guys, perfectly weighted passes at times. Just a really good performance all round. And I think he's he's starting to develop that art that guys like, did you mention Lampard there, Paul Scholes? Am I allowed to say, Stephen Gerrard? <laughs> Guys arriving late in the box, timing it perfectly, and it's so hard to defend because you, if you get the yard on your your opposite number, almost impossible to get a block away if you're coming in at pace into the box. And that's exactly what played out with that second goal. As you say, Brido, great goal to watch, and it's it's a kind of purest goal, isn't it? It's just hit the byline, find your man, and job done. Um, half time, as I mentioned, no huge changes, but we do see that Nat Phillips for Carter Vickers. So as I say, hopefully nothing of note for Carter Vickers. Maybe just resting, maybe a wee niggle, but we'll find out. I wonder actually if Brendan Rodgers doesn't take the risk of him on the plastic pitch at Kilmarnock on Sunday, so we'll, we'll keep a close eye on that. Um, but we'll only wait about five minutes or so for the, the next Celtic goal. I thought it was apparently on first viewing, so it's obviously Alistair Johnson that gets taken out by, I think, Louis Stevenson in the box. And in real time, you could debate it, but when it's slowed down, there's no debate. But I, actually, listen, I always want Celtic to get penalties, I don't like this slowing everything down to death because, yes, there's contact with Stevenson. Enough for a penalty? I don't know. Alistair Johnson didn't make much of a thing about it. But in the modern game, this is a penalty. When you see what's been given elsewhere in various leagues, not just here in Scotland, then it is a penalty. So you take it because, obviously, you you want to you know increase your lead as, as much as possible. And then there's a debate. Who's going to take it? If there are issues, some have scored, some have missed. Louis Palmer missed his last one. But Celtic are absolutely right to keep him on it because he's such a, a dead ball expert and it's a very classy penalty. Yeah, for me, I actually called penalty in live view and I just thought that he's kind of put his body between the ball. And if you're a defender, I've no problem with going to ground, but you've got to win the ball. If you don't win the ball, ultimately you're committing yourself. So your punishment for not winning the ball is essentially that's a penalty. That's ultimately what we got. And uh, yeah, I was a bit kind of going, you know, to take it because obviously he's won. But I think maybe he's taken that run up out his uh, out his armory now, and he's just put part in a in a cupboard somewhere, uh, and he just slotted that penalty away. It's as good a penalty as you'll see. So I it was uh, and you can pop a relief. Uh, because we've seen the team maybe a couple of goals up and and uh, it gets a bit tetchy if we can see one. So, um, yeah, it, it just finished it off and allowed us to kind of play even more freedom. Yeah. As I say, I think the game was never in doubt from an early stage, but that just absolutely lets you relax and and enjoy the, the second half in full, actually, because 
as I say, it's only around about 50, 51 minutes, but good for Palmer's confidence, good for the team's confidence that we do have somebody that when push comes to shove, he can tuck it away and, and strike a nice clean penalty. So here's hoping he remains on them for the foreseeable. I mean, at that point in the game, Brido, I think Palmer was good. I don't think he was his brilliant best, but he was good. But effectively, you could debate that he's had two assists. He's put the corner in for Carter Vickers for the first goal. He's put the cross in for uh, O'Reilly for the second. He's tucked away the penalty. So 50 minutes in, he's not had a brilliant night and he's responsible pretty much for all three of the goals. And it's a sign of a talented guy, you know, players of that out, they get involved in the important moments, do they? And and this is where, where a guy like Mikey Johnson can learn. Mikey Johnson came in and, and he was perfectly fine tonight. Um, but Mikey Johnson, between now and January, he needs to get more than fine. He needs to put in more St. Johnson displays than Hibs displays, if, if we want to be blunt about it. And he's got a guy in his squad, a guy in the opposite wing, and Louis Palmer, that's shown you exactly what you need to do. As a white man, you need to register assists and register goals, and Palmer does both. Yeah, and I think Palmer's um, biggest attribute is, I have this argument with my brother, he seems to think he's fast, he's fast, he's not fast, he's, he reminds me very much of Elanusi, um, playing in that kind of wide position, but gets involved, and he's quite happy to get to the back post from a ball from the other wing, um, like his goal against Lazio that didn't count type of uh, chance he'll, he'll happily get involved with, um, but you're right, I mean, He's involved. He's he's got an impact on, and the best players over the history of football, that's what they do. You know, that's in every team. The players that you remember are the ones that impact games. Alan Thompson would be an example. Didn't do loads of stuff, but he banged goals in big big games and be remembered. Um, all those players, Petrov, big goals, big games, and you can go right the way through. Um, the players that we remember and talk about, they all impacted games. You'd have other players like Paddy McCourt who would be great now and again, but didn't impact the games enough. Mikey Johnson might be the same, I don't know, but Palmer has came in, and when I see him in our team, I'm happy because I know that if he gets the ball, he, he is trying to impact the game positively for us. And more often than not, he does. Um, be it an assist, or be it a, a goal himself, or free kick, he had a good free kick as well. I've not had yeah. that for a while. Um, Three kicks and obviously ultimately penalty kicks. So I think he's a really important player for us. I don't he's had a couple of wee iffy moments in the past as well. Not not, not great games, but he's came in for another country and uh, and he's settled in reasonably quickly. And I think I think a lot of fans um, would have him as one of their favourite players this season so far. You talk about impacting games, which which of course is important. It's, it's the most important thing, but along with it you've got to do it consistently. And that's what we're starting to see. Um, I'll dig out the stats for the next show that we do, but Palmer's assists and goals must be creeping up there. Pretty impressive. I know he was running on track with Jota's uh, early stats at Celtic and he might well have overtaken them by now. So really good numbers for a guy, as you say, Brad, he's become um, a real fan's favourite and he's cemented that that left wing position. It's now a debate who Celtic's right winger will be moving forward. Is it Johnson? Is it Maeda? Is it Tilly, who still looks a bit off it, to be honest with you? Is a bad going to come in and challenge again? So exciting options moving forward, but Palmer's certainly doing his job. Um, the fourth goal is just a few minutes later, Brido. It's a, it's a brilliant through ball by Callum McGregor. If he means it, I think it might be for Palmer, um, but it certainly runs into the path of O. Now, this is where O gives you that different off option than Kyogo because he has to out-muscle the, the defender. He has to get physical. I think it's Will Fish. And he just bumps him out the road. There's no question of a foul. He's just stronger than the guy. 
He does that. He nudges him out the way. He's one-on-one -on -one with the goalie and he tucks it away just really calmly. And I was delighted for him because, yes, he'll get credit for the first goal. But as a striker, you don't really feel you've earned that or got that. You know, you've not really done much. Whereas this one's an out-and-out -out number nine's goal. And he's a guy that needs confidence. He's not playing a lot of football, but he'll have taken a massive boost for that. He got man of the match in the stadium, Bridal. Not sure if I agree with that, but he'll take a lot of confidence for the goal. And he looked pretty pleased overall with his night's work. Uh, yeah, I think he's got a real positive energy about him. He's always endeavouring to do his best. He's always working. I actually think he tries too hard. I, I prefer the guys in that end of the pitch to be a bit more relaxed um, and you know give yourself time to think sometimes. Um, he doesn't. <laughs> you know, he's a bit brash and rash. Um, I said uh, a couple of weeks ago, I think that, um, I think it was after the Lazio game that you know, if, if the people watching from the board don't see that it's a, you know, Jack Marcus is a better option than all that, I don't know what they're watching, but that's right now. That's right now. Jack Marcus has got a few years on all, um, and he does need a chance. You can't, you know, we've got to judge people on a proper chance, but unfortunately at Celtic, you don't normally get them. You don't normally get uh, chances to not to prove that you're not good enough because ultimately it could cost us points, and, and it's normally normally tight enough um, so I was delighted for him because it was a real like you said it was a real proper striker's goal and also a goal like exactly you said as well that, that Kyogo wouldn't have scored Kyogo wouldn't have got in that position um, he wouldn't have outmuscled the defender he wouldn't have he may have tucked away of course his, his quality but uh, for me it was um, doing all that hard work getting himself in and then having the composure and the confidence to tuck it away and uh that's a real good thing and a real good sign for us that we've got two strikers there now. Um, and he scored a few goals and his goals to, his goals to minute, I believe, is must be one of the best we've seen for a wee while as well because he's not had a lot of minutes. So, yeah, I just like the fact that, again, he impacted the game most of the time when he was involved So, um, in a positive way. So, fair play to him. He's had to wait and wait and wait. Took a lot of kind of criticism, but... Perhaps that's maybe his shout to get more minutes. I mean, not start all the time, but they may give the manager confidence that he can affect the game for him. I wonder now, on that basis, going down to Rugby Park for the, the lunchtime kick-off on Sunday, I think most fans would probably be OK with him getting the nod again. What you've mentioned there is some guys trying too hard. I think O's definitely been guilty of that. Mikey Johnson's potentially still a bit guilty of that at the moment. And bizarrely, you've got Kyogo, the, listen, the top man, the, top, the, the best goal scorer at the club, coming on tonight and trying too hard. Um, yeah. he, he was dropping a bit deeper than we usually see him. He missed a really decent chance, you know, the ball over the top from Alistair Johnson in the latter stages. He then tries to snap a shot away when a pass was was a better option. And actually, you've seen, I think it was Matt O'Reilly went up to him at the end of the game just after the whistle and kind of try to pick him up. He looked a bit down on his luck. And it's unlike him. He's a bubbly character, same as always. He's got a lot of personality about him. But he's out of sorts just now. We've debated, is he out of sorts or is he not getting the service? He's out of sorts. You can see it when he gets the ball. It's just not happening for him. So not to make a negative of anything tonight, it's really positive all round. But I suppose if Brendan Rodgers has given guys time, you know, on merit, then it all should be the man just now. And I think he might well get a, a further nod on Sunday. <clears throat> excuse me, at Rugby Park. Celtic do concede a goal, which is frustrating. Uh, Joe Rattle be annoyed. You know, goalies obviously live and breathe clean sheets. That's their thing. 
Um, I've I've got to pin pin this one on that Phillips. I just thought he was turned inside out. He was he was all legs, wasn't he? He just didn't look like he was getting close enough to was it Ewan that was out wide for that one, perhaps? Uh, anyway, the Hibs guy's got the, the ball across and Doy just tucked away. I seen somebody online trying to blame Joe Hart. Listen, I think Hart's at fault for a lot of things. Cannot be at fault for that. I think it's Phillips, and I wonder if skills could maybe do a bit better. But I, I go back to a man I talked about earlier on. If Carla Vickers is on Brido, I don't think we can see that goal. No, we don't. It's pure and simple. It's uh, reading the game. It's fitness as well. It's match sharpness. Um, I've never been impressed with Phillips in any shape nor form. Um, <laughs> we've had a couple of players now in the last few years that we felt that we we felt as far as that perhaps we needed. So somebody really good in the air, you know, to win, you know, set, uh, dead balls, and whatever. And um, and Shane Duffy and that and, and none of them. It's just on the ball. It looks. It looks. Just so nervous. <laughs> I I'll show you my jumper. Right. This is what I think is going to when the ball comes to him. Just lights. Just lights. All over the easy my Christmas jumper. All over the I just think he's he just doesn't look like he's ready. He doesn't look like he's ready to, to put on his picture his mind. He just panics and then he when he makes a mistake he just doesn't know what he's doing. But he was lucky just about maybe five minutes before the goal. He get turned inside out. He fell yeah. And and Johan, I think it was just before he got taken off, kind of turned him inside out, and he just looked, just looked Sunday League. I'm afraid. I, I don't. I mean, how why he's at Liverpool or whatever. I'll never know. But um, yeah, just uh, and I think him coming on. I'm saying, what does that say about Lagerbielka and the I, I, I mean, it really. I don't know. Um, you've got to trust the manager. The manager must know who's best for us. Um, he's brought him on against La- Did they bring him on last at home, didn't they? Bring- Atletico at home, I think. Atletico, yeah. Um, we changed the tactics, that's right, against Atletico. So he's obviously he's kind of thirty. You know, I've seen Carter Vickers at the two, so um, it's a worry that But yeah, it's nothing to do with Joe Hart. Not really. You can't, you can't do much. If your defender leaves you high and dry like that, and the boy, and again, gets behind the defender and gets to the byline or it's very very hard to defend you're facing your own goal and that's why it's so important we do do that but ultimately yeah Carter Vickers I think bosses the guy and probably ushers to a position where he gives a corner away or something maybe it was but yeah it was uh, it wasn't a great showing he's probably a guy who just wants to get to January and go home that's 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 what I think he wants to that's what he should do it's too many pints Maybe so. I mean, they'll they'll say to any defender wanting the bridle, stop the cross first and foremost. Stop the cross if you can see the corner through it, so be it. If it's out for a throw-in, if it breaks to a teammate, but stop the cross first and foremost. That's the immediate danger. And he didn't look like he was capable at any point during that attack. And I don't know. I mean, in all likelihood, he'll head back down south in January. But you're right to point out the fact that, okay, if Navrocki and Lagerbielka can't get ahead of him in the pecking order, what are they doing or not doing at Lennox Town at, at this moment in time? So, listen, there's a few things like that we'll need to cover maybe in the weekly shows. Talio is a man for discussion. He came on and didn't offer much at all. Uh, he had a real powder puff shot in the, the closing minutes. I don't know. Not sure where we're at with Talio and there's, there's work to be done. He'll be given time. Of course he will, but not great on tonight's showing. Bernardo came on, done okay. Tony Ralston came on for Taylor, done pretty well at times, I thought. 
Um, and obviously we've covered Kyogo coming on for all. So so that's the that's the gist of it, Brido. It finishes four one and most important during this busy, busy run of fixtures, it's getting the three points, isn't it? By whichever way. But it's good to go to Celtic Park, turn on a performance, kind of blow away some of those first half blues from Sunday against St. Johnson. And just show the fans, you know, what we're capable of at Celtic Park and and long may that continue, you know, across the rest of the season and beyond. But I do your final thoughts as Celtic maintain that eight point gap at the top of the table. Yeah, just great to get a performance like that um, and sustain it for the majority of the game. Uh, that's what it looked like. It looked like they just after they got the three goals, they could easily have sat back, but they didn't. And I think that's obviously been a message that's been given across to them by the manager. Uh, they wanted to make more of a statement. Um, so no, I thought they'd done that. I thought. Again, your performances um, to give us more positivity, I suppose, because sometimes you can be a, we can be a bit down about certain parts of it. So, just great to get those individual performances. Great to see a wee bit of difference, a wee bit of refreshment in the in the thoughts of the manager. And you know, there's players coming back from injury too, so we've got a busy, busy spell. And I think it's just important. Hibs are a decent side off the back of three wins, so uh, it could have been tricky if we went on on our game. And uh, I just thought. You know, pretty much across the park, we 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 done the job. In fact, more than enough. In fact, so no fair play to fair play to the players uh, for getting up for it and, and doing the job. Yeah, good night all round, and it's it's good to see that they're they're responding to what the manager wants. And as I say, I think St Johnson at half time could be a really important moment just in terms of you know, geeing the boys up and getting them back on track. Brian, thanks as always for jumping on. Thanks for wearing that spectacular Christmas jumper. If anyone has not seen it, uh, I'll share some clips in the socials. It's it's a joy to behold. Um, but from Celtic's point of view, as I say, we maintain that eight-point gap at the top of the table. Next up, we've got Kilmarnock in that Sunday lunchtime kickoff at Rugby Park. We'll be back on Friday, as always, with the, the countdown to kick off ahead of that one. But in the meantime, for myself and Brido, thanks for joining us tonight, and we'll see you again very soon. Podcast Network.